Welcome. Welcome down to this week's episode of Paddy Talks Golf, powered by 4Golf Custom. You know where to go for a tour level experience. Sorry about last week. I had man flu. Well, no, I actually went out with my wife and we had a lovely dinner and I had three drinks and the next day I couldn't move. So, um, last week's podcast, I want to keep these on a Saturday, so that's why we're here today. So, apologies, but I have good news as well. And the good news is there's going to be a second episode a week on a completely different topic. And we'll get into that on the first episode of the new series. I'm going to have a podcast series within a podcast, if you get me. And it's going to be called The Road to the South. Wednesdays, 10 a.m. But we are here on a Saturday, hopefully at 10 a.m. For our weekly installment of chatting to someone in golf. And uh, this week is no different. It's with Eric Stefanian of the Flyers Club. And I came across the Flyers Club four or five years ago as, a, as an Instagram profile. And I've followed since. And they have some class merch. But there's a lot... There's a lot more to them than class products and a lovely logo. It's a logo that you might put on a on a wild Irish lynx. There's a hair and wings and everything. But um, so yeah, lot, lots more about the Flyers Club than than the brand and the logo. It's a it's a whole community, and we get stuck in. So if you like the show, let me know, and uh, yeah, we'll see you Wednesday. But uh, yeah, let's get into it. The Flyers Club. Roll it there. Kill it. I mean, listen, we're talking about practice. Joe Bradley told us the production line was finished in Kerry. Where's Joe Bradley? What do you think it is? Donald Donovan is the left quarterback. He hits it. He hits it. It's over the bar. Oh, holy Moses. It's all on this. Stefanian, are you ready to tee it up? Yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready. People struggle with my first name. Do they struggle with your surname? Or did I, did I make an absolute hames of it there now? Yeah, so a lot of people, um, uh, they put uh, an H in there. So they think it's like Stephanie because there's a S-T-E-P-A-N. Uh-huh. So, so it's really, it's pronounced Stepanian. Stepanian. Ah, Stepanian. Yeah. So step pan Ian. So... Um, but yeah, inevitably if it's just something, you know, the name follows you the, your entire life and you just get used to it. So <laughs> well, you could, you could be called worse, you yeah, know, it's true. I was, I carried in the hinge as some, some listeners may, may know and having an in my pod rig in Ireland and, you know, it was 95% Americans I carried for, uh, my claim to fame, well, not claim to fame, but the worst job was done. Someone called me Padre for like six and a half hours. Like made zero effort. It's like first tee. What's your name? Padraig. Oh, Padre. Yeah, Padraig. Padre. Okay. Um, I'll, I'll just go with, go with that. No problem. Yeah. <laughs> I say no matter what caddy he got, it was Padre for the seven days yeah, of his he was tour. Padre for the, for the next <laughs> 10 days. And um, he's like, and he's telling the story on the other end. He's like, oh, I had the best caddy in the world at La Hinch. Oh, yeah. Padre. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, I, he, I still remember him. And I gave him gave him a good tip. Or he got, I gave him tips all the way around, and he gave me one good one at the end. And that's that's how those relationships should work, right? <laughs> there you go. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's a it's a give and take in that world. But yeah, you know, the caddies are such an important piece of that experience. Um, 
you know, so much outside of the U.S., especially in the U.K. and Ireland. You know, it's it's the human aspect of it. Everybody plays the same golf course, but um, I, I, I believe that that's what, you know, why people are drawn to international golf. Um, they go over there. They're excited about the international courses, but they come in and they have caddies and they have these experiences because that that human side of it is really what what drives it, uh, in my opinion, um, whether it's the drivers, the people you meet in the pubs, the caddies, um, the restaurants, all of that is just, that's why we travel. That's why we want to meet new people. It's to discover new cultures and such like that. So that's why we're here. That's why we're here. That's why, that's why I asked you on because Hey, you're, you're doing a power of good for far Irish God from bringing people over here, but not a lot of people. And I've asked, I've asked a few people, on social media and blah, blah, blah. And even friends of mine, the Flyers Club. And they're like, I've seen it. I've seen the hair. I don't know, is it a brand? But I don't know what they do. Um, but we'll start about you first, Eric. So generally I start um, these episodes with kind of a personal question, but not really. Um, and we'll just start it off. Eric, what is your earliest memory of golf? Great question. I um. I, my earliest memory of golf is, has got to be, um, so I, I remember getting a set of clubs, uh, from a, a yard sale and with my grandfather, uh, and it was this mismatch set of clubs that, uh, you know, I think there was, uh, all, all different brands and it was a seven iron, a nine iron, a pitching wedge, a three wooden, a driver, uh, and a putter. And, um, I just remember going out in the backyard and with that bag came a bunch of balls and um, I just remember hitting them. And then just for whatever reason, it just stuck. And it was my time to spend time with my grandfather and my uncle and, and family. And so that evolution was, was pretty amazing. But yeah, that, that first yard sale of, uh, <laughs> of clubs, uh, it's funny how you're introduced to the game in, the, in those moments and it's kind of etched into your memory. No, no, absolutely. And it's actually a lot of people have, I've started who I've been, who, who I've, I, I hate to interview I, because I said, well, we, I just have chats here. I don't do interviews. I just have a, have a chat and preferably <laughs> with a pint, but I'm on, I'm on corporate hours at the moment. So we won't be pinting at 1 PM. Um, we'll do a follow up with some pints. Absolutely. Cause we missed out cause you were over, um, last September. We'll get that in a second. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, people over here are getting into it from like a couple of spare sets in the garage and their dad might bring them. And, um, you know, they're starting off at nine, ten, And the, when, when I was growing up, it wasn't U.S. kids wasn't around. Do you know what I mean? So right, right. Um, it was from that. But yard sales aren't common over here, but there's a good, if anyone is listening and they're like, where can I get, just start someone off or maybe find those um, early day blades that are now worth a whole pile of money. Um, there's a very good one in Kildare Town. There's a fella rocks up with a trailer of oh. golf sets. The only thing is, he doesn't really know what he has. Or you wouldn't take advantage, but you kind of have to put match the sets together because he has them all. But he sure. put the three Dunlops with the four pings and the and the four tailor made <laughs> with the three Mizunos. So you kind of have to do your own match. But you get a, you get like nine irons for like fifty euros, so like sixty dollars, whatever that is. It's it's a bit of a treasure hunt. It sounds like, which is is half the fun. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, you get those secondhand stores. It's it's become more of a thing, you know, just to do, to dig in. It makes that satisfaction when you find something a bit of a gem to to take home. It's even more satisfying. So. Absolutely, I'm looking for those old like Mizuno. Well, they're new. They're back calling it Mizuno Pros now, but back the old like mid '80s Mizuno. I think they're like MB 
29s or something. Yeah, um, the 14s I'm, and the 29s. Yeah, I'm after a set of those. But um, you've always done golf. I'm here looking at your LinkedIn. Um, yeah. Singer, songwriter. So yeah. You do well in a pub. Um, golf, golf, tournament director. Director partnerships. I don't absolutely. I don't know what that is. Maybe it's golf, and then director of golf and educational tours and the Flyers clubs. Can you walk us through? Like, is golf the recurring theme, or do you always like come back to it? And yeah, you know, golf had been. I played all growing up. Played junior golf here in the states, and then went to school uh, at University of Delaware and played played on the team there for a few years, and then actually just left the game cold. Um, like most when you get to college I, I, I frankly I was burnt out um, I, I know I've talked about this in the past but I got to that sophomore year and I was I was completely done with golf it wasn't fun anymore it was uh, it was about a score um, it was more about performance and less about enjoying the game and getting back to that yard sale that we talked about earlier where like you know you're just really excited about just learning it it's just that when you get almost snake bit right with with the game and the buzz, and so um, at that point, I always look back now and I'm like, that's probably when Flyers was born. It was like my passion to find more about the game and celebrating more about the game than just score and performance. Um, and, and up until that point, it had always been that. So played college golf um, and, and kind of went to the other end of the spectrum, uh, was involved in music and, and chased that dream for a few years. And then kind of came back full circle into golf and uh, started working in travel with uh, a larger educational company here in Boston, uh, helped them be start their travel golf travel program. Uh, moved on to the PGA of America was tournament director um, for a few seasons and then started flyers um, in 2016. And it's been a bit of a journey from that perspective, but everything along the way has all kind of contributed to where we are now. And, kind of the philosophy of like what the ethos of flyers is which is just this more of a celebration of the game from the history tradition um the nuances why you know certain holes are designed the way they are like the architecture the golden age but other fun things like walking into pro shops and and seeing like what's your favorite logo and uh you know where where is the are these places most memorable um everything from the golf course itself to discovering places you've never heard of um it's really all in that flyers flyers ethos so the second question i generally ask people is what what was the compelling event to do what you do so what was the compelling event to go all in on on the flyers club to start it and go with it like why what what was the was there a was there a round of golf you played with someone was it? No, it's, it's go time now. You tell me. Yeah. And in 2016, when I was leaving uh, the PGA, um, this sentiment of like, you know, things here in New England, uh, as many may know, like there's 12 months of golf in a seven month season. So it's feverish. It, it really is like it. The courses are typically shut by December one. They'll open up the earliest somewhere around April one, uh, maybe maybe late March if you're lucky. But you know, when you get into the heart of the season, it's it's very much fever. So when you're when you're running tournaments, you know, we were doing close to 90 events in that spe- that span of May to November. And it, it was just something that I found I was it was not it was very much in keeping with where I ended golf um, in college. I was just not what I wanted to do. But 
there was an element of it uh, where I saw just the enjoyment. People would come out and play, not necessarily in performance, but just to see these golf courses and see. And they 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 just totally geek out over certain things like like template holes, like uh, kind of signs and paths and stairs and bunkers, things that course, are often forest infrastructure. I love a good yeah. wall. I love a good wall, me. <laughs> a, a good wall is, is super important. And the quirkier, the better, um, in my opinion. Uh, there's nothing worse than just a bowling alley type of course where it's back and forth and back and forth. And so you see that. Um, and then I from, from there, before the PGA, I was traveling and my first exposure to international golf. And I started to bring those two together uh, and met uh, other guys on the team who had their expertise and both you know, kind of engagement and uh, community and, you know, from merchandise on down to, it was, it was all holistic um, and how it all played in. And so in 2016, it didn't start off like this, what we see today, which is we've got membership, we've got uh, international travel, we've got merchandise um, in this in this robust community. Uh, it started off with just international travel, taking people to look at things through a different lens um, and I know I've said this before, but historically, golf from the American lens outbound to the UK and Ireland has been this 36 holes a day, I'm going to conquer your country type of mentality, uh, sleep when I get home. And frankly, like, it was exhausting. Like, there was nothing. You were missing the best parts of Ireland or Scotland, uh, England, wherever you were, and you were overlooking kind of the culture and history and tradition that has surrounded these golf courses for hundreds of years. Uh, and so we really put made that the centerpiece of how we designed experiences. Um, it was more about immersing yourself and less about checking those boxes along the way. No, it's really good. And like I would have caddied for a lot of golfers who are like, and uh, would have landed in Shannon at 5 a.m. We're teeing up in the Hinch at nine and we're teeing up in Doombeg at two. And then they'd to run to uh, Tralee and Valley Bunyan and then uh, they'd stay over there and the second night and then you know like you said like i did 36 holes for three days last august <laughs> and like i was bringing uh bath salts uh like i was prepared and i my body was like, and i'd be fit enough you know i think it was anyway day four my body was in bits yeah. And these were all like 20 minutes away i i did northeast of ireland so like 20 minute drive maybe an hour drive but the Americans that do like the marquee Southwest, like it could be an hour and a half or two hours on a coach and drinks, and whatever. So uh, there's definitely that place for, for what you're um, creating there. And from the website, just so people know, what are what is the Flyers Clubs in, in a nutshell? The Flyers Club in a nutshell. International travel and private club experiences designed for a collective of golfers, which I'll ask you about in a second, who are inspired by the discovery of diverse courses, cultures, and time-honored traditions of the game, right? So that's... That's what it is. Yeah. What collective of golfers become part of the Flyers Club? Because you can go on and you can sign up and you can become a member. So what what demographic is it a demographic or is it just a you tell me what, what's the collective of golfers who, who who define what the Flyers Club is? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I think it's first and really important to understand for us, like we are a true membership. Um, we have an application process that uh, every member goes through. Um, it's not a subscription. It's not where, hey, I want to sign up, I jump on, I pay my dues. Um, we want to make sure that you're the right fit first. And, and, and mainly, you know, here in the United States, historically, private golf clubs have been about 
access and privilege about who you are in the community, what job you hold, what your bank account is. And we wanted to kind of look at it from a different angle, which was getting back to the core roots of mainly how golf is viewed in the UK and Ireland and the fact that uh, it's really about, you know, part of your life and, you know, you go to the club, you eat your meals there, you walk your dog there, you, you know, your friends are there and it's all walks of life in that regard. It's not just the, the upper echelon of individuals. And so our application is really designed to just understand who that individual is. Um, you know, we're not looking for the guy who uh, is, is puffing his chest about checking boxes and running around. Uh, it, it naturally has brought itself together. Like these individuals are, are just uh, they're golf, they're high golf IQ individuals. They love uh, to to dig in a little bit more about uh, golf courses, like we said, the golden age. Um, they'll they'll sit around the fire after a round and and talk to you about the best logo in the game, or you know they may talk to you about uh, the best template hole they've ever played, whether it be Redan or the Beerits or whatever that ends up being. Um, but this individual is very unpretentious as well. Uh, and the interesting thing about it is our membership comes from all walks of life and the fact that they are members of high, pri high profile private clubs or they are free agents as we call, it. they have no affiliation with any private club um, or they're uh, you know, just love just to play the game from a municipal standpoint and their home course is, is a public course. And all of those individuals are welcome in that scenario with the centerpiece of, uh, of, of just community and um, the enjoyment of the game for the right reasons. I'm glad you defined it that way because I, I just Googled, right? So if you Google, what is the Flyers Club? Like third, third link brings it to the echelons. And I've never really been on it of Reddit, right? I think, oh, Red, yeah. I think Reddit is like Twitter on, on cocaine. You know, in terms of opinionated, but like the first, sure. you scroll down the fire club, it looks like a snobby elitist golf merch club. They may sell some cool shit and play some cool courses, but what's with golf being so elitist and members, blah, blah, blah. So I'm really glad that you describe it that way, that the, the application is, is really to weed out the elitism <laughs> in a way. Because it really you want, is. Um, yeah, it's, you know? it's an important piece because we've all, played with that individual they exist at every club um but the way the flyers club lens is we, we believe that these individuals exist at every club um that it's more than you know it's more than just a game um it's it's how golf should be it's it's how you know we view it and it's not always this elitist piece um and we work really hard to make sure that those individuals aren't that because it rubs people the wrong way, especially when you're playing golf um, with somebody and like, you know, they're in it for all the wrong reasons and you're there just because you're celebrating this. You, you couldn't wait to play this golf course and there's nothing worse than playing with somebody who, who, who has that, that, that outlook. So no, I, I would agree. And, and they exist in, in many clubs in, in Ireland and the UK as well, going, going the other way. Um, I'm Mr. Open Door Policy. Let everybody in. Um, you know, and just set expectations in terms of the respect for the course, respect for the, you know, if there is um, a certain dress code, we, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago on, you know, and what is acceptable because neighbors of mine, like literally next door, and there's a golf course 30 meters that way. And he's just, I don't want to go up and make a show on myself. 
I don't know what to wear, you know, and you go over and literally I'm looking at a fella and I'm looking at a fella now and he's wearing grand shorts and he's wearing a t-shirt and no problem. It's Wednesday, do you know? <laughs> but then if I go and I play Royal County down, right? Yeah. You know, I'm going to wear like, I'm going to be my Sunday best. You know what I mean? I mightn't wear the, the Jordan joggers or the Jordan pumped up kicks up there. Maybe I will. Um, do you know what I mean? It's just about knowing what to expect. You know, so I, I would be of that um, brigade. What's, what's your take on that in terms of open door policy and everybody in um, yeah, I mean, on etiquette of the game, I suppose, and, and letting them know, you know inevitable, if you want to call it, you'd know I was in corporate, wouldn't you? Um, yeah, well, I think we, we kind of put we flip it on its head a bit uh, in the fact that yeah we we feel that um, you know it is still a club uh, and and the fact that you know it's like minded individuals but you're bringing in um, you're looking at it less about again the privilege piece but um, you know we believe that people can join or join but for the right reasons I mean we just went through kind of some criteria right and and so. I, I'd be I'd be lying by saying yes everybody come on in because that would just be a subscription for us um, mm -hmm. and you know I think that um, there's not one club to rule them all this is not a this is not a Lord of the Rings situation where uh, you've got that um, I, I do believe that it's there there is there should be some criteria um, but I don't think it needs to be this unobtainable criteria if that makes sense yeah, um, and, and so um, Oftentimes, your status and your access is is it's it's relatively unobtainable in moments, uh, especially here in the United States from the club perspective. So we try to look at it from just a more of the content of your character, uh, and and less about the other things. Um, yeah. So that that's really important to us. But um, I I don't know if you asked about the dress piece of things, like the you know the dress code. Uh, I'm all for a relaxed dress code, but there are certain things that you know I just grew up. Um, yeah, you take your hat off when you go inside as I'm wearing a hat now. Um, but you, you know, you, you, you shake hands at the end of the round. Um, you know, you tuck in your shirt. Um, but you know, I think that that's just ingrained, uh, and we like that classic approach. Um, it's not to say that you, know, you can't be wearing a t-shirt and, uh, and, and jeans out there or, or a hoodie that was hugely controversial last year of people wearing hoodies. Um, I think this golf in general moves at a snail's pace, but I think if it's done tastefully, you know, yeah, that's, nobody that's wants. The bit. That's yeah, the bit. done tastefully. If, yeah. if you're if you're rocking up with uh, you know a white t-shirt and it's got stains from you know last night's dinner on it, and you know your shorts look like they haven't been pressed, there's a certain level. I mean, you can look smart without with whatever dress you're going with. Um, yeah, like I thought that my wife. I was telling her about last week, the episode the other week, and it was like, yeah, I went down about hoodies and joggers, and she was like, but sure, you can't wear, you can't wear hoodies on a golf course. And she doesn't do golf at all. Like, she gets golf, yeah. like, the overspit from my conversations because she's literally drowning in golf information with me around. Um, <laughs> you can't wear hoodies on a golf Because the hoodies I would wear casually on the house are, like, athlete. And it's like, you fucking know it's an athlete hoodie, right? It comes out and hits you in the face. And I was like, yeah. no, no, no. Like the, the hoodies you're in the golf course are, are they're clean, they're understated, they're a bit more fitted, you know, you're like the gracing ones are, are linked sole or you, you wouldn't, you need to look really hard to figure right. out that it's a hoodie, right? And even, you know, Tyrrell Hatton and, and that Adidas number, 
no, it's still clean. You know, the little Adidas logo, it's clean enough in terms of it's minimal. So like you said there, tastefully. You know what I mean? I'm not going, I'm not rocking on the fairies. And I remember when I was a teenager with the Wu-Tang Clan. <laughs> it was all the raids when I was a teenager, all those. And half the people didn't know who they were, the Wu-Tang Clan. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, it was just because everybody had one, but but you're dead right. Okay, Flyers Club membership. It's about um, getting like-minded individuals, mad about golf, mad about learning more about it, mad about um, discovering more experiences around the world, where... So I'm member number, a new member as of today, right? Hypothetically. Yeah. Um, oh, maybe, maybe maybe in a minute, how will be? Um, where, where can I go? Well, what trips can, do the Flyers Club organize for their membership? Yeah, their so individuals? We're, we're around the world. We typically do uh, a number of different trips for members um, around the world. So Ireland, Scotland, Portugal, Spain, New Zealand, Australia, Italy, Japan, England, and Wales. Those are kind of our core destinations um and then uh, we do run about 10 to 12 domestic events here in the united states primarily at private golf clubs um, in part because those historic clubs exist behind closed doors um and you know our, our membership uh, again they show up incredibly respectful of, of all these places and there's a reason why we select the courses that we do um and we've had some mainstays that we uh, continue to revisit and um, it's just a great celebration and an opportunity to play a course that maybe you, you wouldn't otherwise be able to do. Um, but similar to the international stage, we, we weave in uh, not only the golf, but uh, cultural experiences, uh, whether it be kind of, um, you know, things like uh, cooking classes on down to falconry to things that are just adjacent um, that have been part of, of these cultures for so many years, it, depending on the country, really determines what kind of colors it. Um, and then in the States, we try to, to round it out. We don't just do one day events where you go in and you, and you play and you leave. Uh, we really want to build the camaraderie. Uh, it's super important from our perspective that our members get a chance to meet each other. You think about it, you as member or whatever joined today, Maybe you don't know anybody who's inside the club. Think how daunting that is to get on a plane and go to an event where there's already existing members for who have been there for so long to get paired up with somebody, play a course you've never played, meet people you've never met. Um, and we have guys that do that because they know when they get on that plane or they come to that event that they are going to be in uh, with like-minded individuals that think like they do and uh, and that's part of why our process is so important. We have a membership committee that that goes through all of that and uh, assist with the applications and the interviews that that get them to this point. Um, because it is, at the end of the day, it really is daunting to get on and, and try to meet new people. I mean, the older you get, the harder it is to make new friends, I think people find. Uh, you, know, you take not, that. Not if you're Irish, Eric. If you're Irish, <laughs> Eric, <yeah. laughs> Throw them in the mix. They'll, they'll come out with everybody will be a friend at the end. <laughs> So, um, come here to me over the last five, six years of the Flyers Club, what has been the hardest, hardest thing to kind of either start out or was there a big hurdle? You were like, oh, geez, I don't like that took you a while to understand to get around. Has it been ever like, like a moment you're like, geez, that when you look back now, I was pretty resilient that time. Any yeah. moments stand out to you there? Well, I mean, I'll tell you, like COVID was the heart of, uh, of, um, of Flyers. I mean, in the fact that we started in 16, and we got basically to to the end of 2019, and the last two years has been, um, 
you know, frankly, that's when the membership and the merchandise and and more of the storytelling started. It it, it was it was basically arose out of, of pivoting, you know, because we weren't traveling at that point. So we were going from traveling internationally with these individuals who were just enamored with this experience of through that lens of uh, a deeper meaning. But then when you couldn't travel, our travelers were very keen to find out what else, who else was traveling in the Flyers Club, but also like, um, you know, could we do these experiences in the United States? And we weren't doing it at the time. And so I think the period of from 2020 to up until now has been incredibly resilient to, you know, to create an opportunity and bring together individuals who were excited about it. Um, I think that was a challenge for most individuals in tourism. Uh, it was 2020. I mean, like, you know, basically everything just shut. Uh, you weren't traveling. You weren't going anywhere else. Um, you weren't leaving your house <laughs> for the most part. I know Ireland was. You know, you had your. It was at five kilometers that you couldn't travel. Uh, it was. It was two. Two was okay for a bit, and then it was five. Yeah. But anyone doing marathons, they were training for over like runners. Like I thought, like Strava, if you were doing like five kilometer laps. <laughs> Yeah, I people cycle, but yeah, it was we the longest lockdown in Europe, or I think even like maybe across the world at one stage there, because Australia locked down provinces. Ireland was like as a country. Now, granted, bear in mind us, it's a small country, like four and a half million people, but still sure. four and a half million people. But, yeah, um, but yeah, cold to stay put. Yeah, it's it, so I think that that resilience in there, I think that was that was pretty pretty amazing to see. Um, but I think that for us, like we had always gone through, we'd always taken, um, always been about capturing stories and imagery and, and content um, from 2016 up to 2020. And um, Omar Rawlings, who you, if you go on our Instagram page, you'll see majority of that imagery, 99% of it is his. Um, he and I were, you know, when we were starting Flyers, he jumped in and I was like, I'm going to Ireland and, and, and Scotland and, uh, and England afterwards. Um, do you want to come? And without hesitation, he was, yeah, I'm on the, I'm on the plane with you. Um, and great memories. I mean, we were bunking up. It was, it was like being in a band again, you know, we were torn around uh, playing places and seeing people and meeting people and it's relationship driven. So when we got to 2020 and, and COVID um, I remember being like, okay, what are we going to do? And we really started the storytelling side of things and, and started to see this community organically form Um and uh, we started to to just share like our our ethos with the world, and as it did, and that's really when it started to become what it is today. I mean, this well-rounded, faceted, like multifaceted uh, opportunity. Like, you know, some members will travel, some will play in domestic events, some will buy merchandise, and some just enjoy the community uh, at large. Um, and that's the beautiful thing about it. It's not everything, you know, fits exactly what individuals are looking for all the time. Oh, that's that can that that can be said about many many an organization. Um, <laughs> do you have a breakdown of of the membership in terms of um, what percentage is U.S. based and what percentage is maybe rest of world? Yeah, I think we're about you know eighty twenty at this point. Um, we've got eighty percent of our membership is now in the United States, and I think that will start to continue to. I guess, um, be more on what we would call world membership versus just the United States. And a lot of that is bred from not being able to travel. And as, you know, travel starts to open up again and the borders um, become 
you know, a lot easier to go. I think people start to see more and more membership coming. We have pockets in Australia, New Zealand, in Canada, uh, in the EU, um, Ireland, and the UK. Um, we have we have our pockets, and as it starts, to, we start to have more of a presence and having those more tangible meetups where we can meet members and people start to talk about it a little bit more. We see it starting to to grow. So. Um, it's definitely something that we're we're excited about to just kind of bring it out to the world because I think this lens of thinking um, is is seems to be more common, even more so outside the United States. Uh, definitely. Um, from the outside looking in, I suppose I would have never. I suppose I'm coming to an age now where I am looking at traveling abroad. But like, my eyes have been open not only to courses in Ireland since COVID. I mean, if you can't play your local, you can't play anywhere, and then having chats with people like yourself who enjoy that experience are saying like, why would you leave Ireland? And you have like, I don't know, 70% of the global links courses or some ridiculous statistic like that. But there is a world of God to be discovered there. And there's a couple of locations, America in, in the United States that I would love to visit. I'm sure I'm not the only one. And I'm sure I'm yeah. not the only one of the Flyers Club um, globally or indeed this side of the world. But I would have like um, a core friend group. You know, there's eight to 10 of us and we try to arrange our own games. But no way would I be able to get that like six, eight, 10 people together to go on a trip to, okay, I, I'll ask you, what are the two like places I'm thinking about in the States? If you think about media-wise or where where would people probably go? Um, I mean, I'm I'm guessing it's well on on the public side i would guess it's like a pebble or uh pinehurst um maybe abandoned dunes you got them you got them <laughs> okay i hadn't yeah. even thought of pebble because i was like that's uh because it's it's like it's the course while in pinehurst it's it's pinehurst yeah. and abandoned right right so, so my question is is there or maybe there is uh, is there a view and this might be down the line of doing global groups to the likes of Pinehurst for three days, four days, or to Bandon, et cetera. Is that in the pipeline? It is, yeah. So this this year we're we're actually um we're hosting our club championship in Pinehurst. Uh, and we have individuals coming. We have individuals coming from um from the UK and from the EU uh to this event that's gonna be held um at the end of this year. Uh it's the first time that we've done um, more of that outward facing golf club. And the reason for that is just because of the history behind Donald Ross and his influence on golf in America. Uh, we felt that that was truly the cradle as they call refer to it and, um, the importance of it. Uh, and so our experience is really centered around Donald Ross, but also the tournament side of things and, and the friendly camaraderie and, and, uh, competitiveness that goes with it. But, um, it's in the pipeline and it, it was very well received this year and something that we hope to uh, repeat year over year um, in some form. The way you're talking, it sounds like it's sold out. For this year. Uh, it is. I think there's a few, there might be a few spots left. Um, uh, it, what's been amazing is that there's been this almost inversion from a domestic side to the international. So all the, all the, the, the groups that were thinking about going internationally went to the resort. So Bandon, Pinehurst, uh, Pebble, um, 
they are booking so far out. Whereas before it was, it was not, it was the reverse. You know, you'd have to start, you know, eight to 12 months to, to start planning Ireland. Um, and even more Ireland in, in the UK is, is backed out even further. I mean, between the roles and the, the rebooking, roll over, yeah, the roll over. all that stuff that's going on. So, um, yeah, it, it's nearly sold out, but uh, it's it's going to be a great event. With some great folks coming in, and the diversity of their geographic location really excites me. Well, I'll definitely be checking it out because that's that's my like life bucket list is do Pinehurst, do Bandon, and if I can do it with like minded people, and that would be my preference than on my their own. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i'll be um and then i see about it i get excited about things so i'll be sharing the hell out of it so um <laughs> anybody listening if you can't find the information just either flyersclub.com or scroll back through um my shite on on social media um eric the hardest questions are about to come you ready okay great um, quick fire q a now being a musician the first one might be interesting okay let's go you ready yeah what would your walk-on song be? Ooh, that is a good one. Uh, I would say... Um, <laughs> that's great. You know, I always loved uh, uh, Kenny Loggins' Danger Zone from Top Gun. That was like my hockey warm-up song that I always came out to. So I, I'll go with I'll go with Danger Zone. Go Kenny Loggins. Jim or pizza? Pizza. Hat, visor, or a bucket hat? Oh, hat for sure. It was visor weather in Ireland yesterday. I was wearing a visor. Was you it? Know. It was. There it. you go. They got to look forward to. <laughs> Happy Gilmore or Tin Cup? Um, Tin Cup. Le Hinch or Port Marnock? Le Hinch. Walk or cart? Oh, walk. Win the Open or win the Masters? Win the Open. Instagram or Twitter? Instagram. Play or practice? play and thank you very much there's one final question and, and it kind of gives everybody an insight into you as an individual and your interests maybe aside from golf um you might have heard another podcast i stole it from somebody else um let's just we'll set the scene here so we'll say you're after you're after the fries club championship in pinehurst is the final night and just for yourself or maybe it's the, the the night after and you're organizing a candlelit dinner to celebrate with uh, for yourself for running a great show and you can have any six people you want in the world at it three people down the left and three people down the right who are the six people at Eric's candlelit dinner I mean these events and this whole thing would, wouldn't be possible without our team so um, you know it's not just me I'm, I'm, I'm here on behalf of them but um you know, we've got Nick who runs our digital and uh, everything you see online. We've got Omar who creates uh, all our assets and uh, from a video and, and photography and Dave who runs all our events. So those are my three to my right. Um, I think that, uh, you know, we've got, uh, I think there's, the other side would definitely have to be the aspirational side of, of influence and, uh, you know, who wouldn't want them there to celebrate uh, it was just assuming that they, um, you know, they, they, well, they're they coming. Would... Whoever you invite is coming. So don't worry about their availability or whether okay. they're alive or dead or whether they're fictional or non-fictional. <laughs> <laughs> um, these are, this is alive or dead. That's, that's, that's really helpful. Um, I would have to say, 
Uh, and this is this is good. I would say Old Tom, um, Tiger, and there's one other. And we're gonna keep it in the golf world just because we'll keep it simple. They they would appreciate it. And Donald Ross just because um, uh, from that perspective. So those are my three uh, on from an aspirational side, uh, but definitely the team for sure. And Flyers Club is a team effort all the way, tried and true. Oh, that's deadly. Thank you very much. Well, if you're ever looking for like an EMEA or UKNI um, partner or just someone to give you a dig out, um, don't call me. <laughs> <laughs> Every time I'm in Ireland, I'm, I'm going to call you. Uh, it Absolutely. Just Usher, forever. when you were over, you were over, you did Northwest. Was it last we September, did. October time? And it was yeah. just, just, I was just after doing Northeast, so I didn't get the hall pass to, uh, to, go, to go for a couple of days. But um, was that uh, your first time? Just, yeah, it was my first time up there and it was, it was amazing. Um, I, we finally called to it as the final frontier of Ireland and the fact that, you know, everyone goes to the Southwest or the North or around Dublin and, and Northwest has been overlooked for so many years. And I think COVID is a great thing for, for the Northwest and the fact that it's, um, you know, when they can't get down south or 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 the north or Dublin, you're pushing them up there because it's new experience. And the common trend has always been people go over wanting to check these big box courses, right? But they come back bragging about the places you've never heard of. And I think that that's just incredibly telling and why I think the Northwest is going to be so successful. It's the golf is equally, if not better. And the people are just so happy to have you. Um, and you're you're in playing with members. You're, it's the word that's often overused, but I really feel is it's it's truly authentic uh, from that perspective. So that's a good tagline. I might put that in the in the show notes or like in the show title. You'll see. Eric, thank you very much for your time. Um, we uh, we'll definitely you. sort out points and, and golf next time at the nearest Absolutely. possible occasion. Yeah, I, either in the US or in Ireland or wherever the uh, golf may take us, I, I'd love to do it. Absolutely. Take it easy. Good luck. Brilliant. Thank you. You too. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode with Eric Stefanian of the Flyers Club. And I for sure learned a whole pile about what they do. I hope you did as well and found it interesting. And yeah, like if you want to go stateside, we now have a couple of people we can call upon. We can call upon Eric or we can call upon last week, Mr. Coyne. They're both doing bits stateside. As I saw this week, is Carol Golf. So maybe we should all get together and make a trip out to, you know, Bandon or Pinehurst. And so, yeah, if you're up for it, sure, slide into the DMs and we'll try and put something together with people we know now. That's the whole point of this podcast is connecting people. Um, it's about learning about stories in golf. That's what it's about. Um, predominantly Irish golf. So if you're sharing the show, if you did like today's episode, uh, share the show with your family or friends. And when they ask you, well, what's it about? Well, it's this random fella in his spare room, um, professionally unprofessional. um, And he's just kind of telling stories in golf, predominantly Irish golf, golfers and golf companies and people who play golf in Ireland. But we'll try and branch out. We branch out now and then. Um, So, yeah, I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. I'm really excited about the new series starting next Wednesday, Road to the South, 10 a.m. And that's, like I explained on social media the last couple of weeks, we'll kind of be saying and explaining and um, walking through. Oh, there's the backing music is gone. It's really time for me to go. But um, the Road to the South will be about. 
um, kind of my journey to get as, as good as I can. I play off 3.6 now, and thanks to the old WHS, uh, getting better. So it's more around, you know, trying to play in the South of Ireland National Championship, which last year, I think the cutoff was plus two. So some ways to go. But we'll try and, and get there, and hopefully by tuning in, you you might pick something for your game, whether you're off 3.6 yourself, 5.6, 25.6, 55.6. You might take something away and use it in your game and make make, make you better. So that's what it's all about, Road to the South, and we'll get into why it's that called that name and, and a bit more next Wednesday in the, in the first installment of it. Well, my backing music is gone, so I hope you've enjoyed this week's episode with Eric. And um, get onto the Flyers Club, and if if you think it's your vibe, it probably is your vibe. All right. Until we teed up again soon, I'm Paddy.